That's the sound of um, thousands of seabirds on a rock uh, cliff face near Ab's head. And there are kittiwakes and gannets and fulmers and guillemots uh, out on the rock there. And the reason they're making such a racket is they're trying to feed their youngsters and, and to warn them of, you know, all the dangers and bad things that are lying in wait for them, like, oh, I don't know, Mid-Faith Crisis podcast. Well, welcome everybody to episode 165 of the Mid-Faith Crisis podcast. Indeed. Me, Nick Page. Me, Joe Davies. Hey! <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and I'm, we're back. We're back. We are. You're back, more important. What an intro, by the way. Thank you. How incredible Thank that you. sounded. Very jealous. Well, Jill, it, how, how was it? How was the holiday? It was lovely, yeah. Amazing. Um, we had a little house... Uh, in, a, in an old-fashioned sort of fishing village on the northeast coast, so just over the border into Scotland, and um, and it was good because yeah, it was genuinely still pretty unspoiled. And mm. the house, the house, literally from the front window, you went to the road and then the beach, and so you, from my front window, I bird watched and I could oh. see, um, you know, uh, curlews and oyster catchers and oh. goosanders oh, and all kinds of gulls. It. And the occasional shag, Obviously. and uh, well, it being Scotland, and uh, yeah, and um, uh, all kinds of stuff, amazing. And seals, the seals would come, wow. and they would they would sit on the rock and they would sing at night. Oh yeah, that's uh, kind of spooky, isn't it? It's quite a yeah, yeah. I, I'm not sure they are singing. I think they're just whinging. No, oh, yes. I think they're, they're just <laughs> complaining about being a seal because it's it's like you know I'm wet and cold. <laughs> I want some fish. Um, anyway, no, it was it was it was great. Thank you very much, and uh, really refreshing. So it was nice. Wonderful. And um, yeah, any other highlights other than that? Oh well, the weather was great. Um, oh, I went to Holy Island to Lindisfarne, oh, and yeah, yes. I had a really. I had one of the most, if I'm honest, one of the most transcendent experiences of my life. Well, we better talk about that. It was a Scotch egg. Made out of, but the outside was fish, uh, and so it was a no, It was a pescatarian. No, it was wonderful, and the egg was still. It was, it was fantastic. What sort of a, fish? Well, I don't know, like a fish cake kind of affair, but then mm. bread, and then if deep fried. Okay. Oh, it was gorgeous. It was amazing. Crown and anchor and Lindisfarne. I recommend it. Mm. Um, and so it was very peaceful, very relaxing, and then I came home and I got absolutely <laughs> mad. <laughs> Yeah, well, I'm glad the peace lasted. <laughs> Literally walked into the garden and oh, yeah. the bindweed. Oh, tell me about it. I know. <laughs> I, you know, like, I watch Gardeners World and you and you, I know. On Gardeners World, you have all this stuff, people, which is a BBC television programme for our colonial friends. And and um, <laughs> and they have people who have like the, in their gardens, they have like the national collection of delphinium or something or the yeah. national collection of, of clematis yeah. or something. 
I seem to have got the national collection of bindweed without no. being asked whether I wanted it. <laughs> it could be worse. <laughs> it's, it, bindweed is it's, it's like it's like a plant with ADHD, isn't it? it yeah, it, it is. goes mad. Yeah, it, it just, just can't it just, sit still. Yes, and if it can't wind around one of your plants, it winds around itself. Yes, and, it does. You know, yeah, it does go crazy. Anyway, so that, uh, was, that was that was Sunday spent un, un, unbinding the bindweed. It was awful. Bind us together. <laughs> anyway, well, that, that, that's that's me. How are you, my friend? Well, uh, you know, if you'd asked me last week, I would have said very hot, but lovely to go in the sea every day and cool mm. off. It was just perfect evening tide, so that was really nice. I I did an interview with John Philip Newell last week. Um, and uh, that was rather wonderful. So I think we're going to put that out next time. Is that right? Yeah. T- tell us about him. Oh, he's just a fantastic guy. So he, he is a guy who's probably most famous for being a warden of I- the Iona community. But now oh, he's okay. a sort of full time teacher and a sort of wandering teacher he likes to think of himself as. But just so versed in the Celtic tradition. And of course, I read his latest book and that's why he's on the show, really which is called uh, Sacred Earth, Sacred Soul. And it's just a wonderful book, uh, really sort of demonstrating and showing why these treasures from the Celtic tradition are just so relevant for now, both in terms of the climate, but also the the, the kind of post-Covid world we find ourselves living in. So it's fantastic. He's a really interesting guy and and I really enjoyed talking to him. So, yeah, that's great. That's what I I own a... Iona being a sort of island monastic community. Oh, is that do... what it was? I thought it was a distillery. Okay. Well, I was just wondering if they did uh, if they did um, fish Scotch eggs like Lindisfarne. Well, so surely they're in competition. Anyway, well, that would well, be good. That would be good. I mean, if there's no distillery and no fish Scotch eggs, why anyone would go there, I don't know. Well, but that's true. Yeah, you know, perhaps they have their reasons. <laughs> Yeah, no, I've been all right. I, I mean, the truth is I've been all right. I, I'm struggling. We talked about this before, about the background noise mm. at the moment. I, I mean, we talked about this during Brexit and just the division and everything. And mm. there's just been a few things recently. I mean, yes, there's sport and that brings a certain joy to my heart. But when you're watching the news, the flooding, um, you know, a news item came on the other day about covid and what the winter's going to be like and it was followed by something something about immigration we we'd had record numbers in that hot weather um mm. coming coming across the channel um many from sudan and and then there's this statement that was supposed from priti patel our glorious home secretary speaking on behalf of all people about how angry we are about immigration and and that made me angry <laughs> because but not with immigration but specifically with her <laughs> yeah. and her government's policies you know cutting aid left right and center and you know assuming we're angry about people desperately fleeing their countries because of drought more and how angry we are that they would dare to come to our country and she was wrong about that um, I'm sure she speaks for some people, but not for me. Mm. So there was that. I, I think there's I, what I'm trying to say is there, there there was a couple of days recently where I found myself getting really low about it and asking that question. Look, I want to live hopefully and joyfully and faithfully mm. as a, you know, a servant of the kingdom of God. But I'm struggling. I think the other thing was just um, 
oh, Boris had appointed some old friend as, you know, commander of ethics in the country. You know, <laughs> it's the most unethical appointment to the ethics thing. And, and I think I just, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to be cynical and angry all the time. You know, I, th I think there's a, sp I think it's good to be that sometimes, but not for long. Because I think if you stay cynical or you stay angry, it it churns you up inside. I, I don't think yeah, it yeah, makes you the yeah. best person in the world. And I'm I suppose I'm just you know struggling with that a little bit at the moment. I mm. mean, I'm assuming the news and the climate news and all that sort of thing isn't going to get lots better in the immediate future. So I'm I'm trying to know how to handle it. Rachel said to me, you know, why don't you just not watch the news? And I thought, well, hmm. Yeah, maybe. It feels like sticking your head in the sand, but at the same time, maybe that is good advice. I don't know. What do you do? How do you well, process I, it? I I oscillate. That's how I entertain mm. myself. I've, and, I've noticed uh, you doing that. I wish you I wouldn't. Of, <laughs> I often go down to the village square and just oscillate. Um, <laughs> I Sometimes I do without it completely. And I agree. Mm. You know, I, I, think that what, I think the problem is that we've we've sort of live in this world of endless sort of soap drama. Mm. And so the the news becomes another part of that. It mm. becomes another sort of endless round of what's happened next. And so when, when I'm at my low points, I find myself endlessly sort of scrolling through the news to see mm. if there's anything else to kind of stimulate me. Mm. Um, so I think it would be good to sort of come off it a bit. I think you can keep yourself informed mm. without having to get your dose of it every day. Yeah. Um, we we have Claire and I have a sort of difference on this because I would prefer to wake up to nothing, you know. Well, I prefer not to wake up sometimes, you know, just to stay asleep. <laughs> but but you know, she likes to wake up to Radio Four. So the first thing I hear in the morning right. is, you know, people arguing about politics or people calling each other liars or whatever. Mm. I don't really think that's a great way to start the day. Yeah. Um, but uh, you know, I, I don't know. I think I think you have to manage it somehow really mm. i don't think this endless diet of, of relentless news helps us really and mm. and I, th I mean a lot of people who are very anxious you know a lot of young mm. people particularly very anxious and i think it's because all the stories you get all the time are about what could possibly go wrong what has gone yes wrong, exactly what might yeah, go yeah, wrong. yeah 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 exactly yeah so so we swim in this sea of fear mm. the whole time mm. and it's very hard to keep your head afloat um well can yeah. I just throw this back at the listener? I mean, if anyone is still listening, which I suspect they might not be now, but if you are still listening to this <laughs> podcast, then I'd I would uh, genuinely I'd love to hear how you do it. What what's mm. your balance? How do you sort of have a controlled diet of news without getting depressed? And you know, how do you manage that? And what you know, what if anything is the relationship of prayer to what you're hearing? On the, I'd love to hear any comments anyone has. Send in an mm. email. That that would be great. We'd re really appreciate that. <laughs> And talking of being depressed... Yes, yes. This is our first sort of podcast recording since the final. Since the final. And also, sad to say, on the subject of bad news, hmm. you will have to be stoned, I'm afraid, because did you not say that the second coming would happen ah, that. during half-time, which I would have been very happy for, um, by the way... Uh, no, I th all right. Let me let me just uh, correct you and indeed rebuke you. Thank you. Um, Love that combo. Thank you. <laughs> so used to that from the church. <laughs> because it's not a correction without a bit of rebuking, in my experience. Um, I didn't say the second coming. 
was happening, I said the rapture had occurred. Ah, yeah. And there. how do we know the rapture didn't occur during the final? It might have been a very small rapture with only a few people. Oh, just Ethel. Just probably <laughs> just Ethel. Others, yeah. <laughs> so I, I think we want to get more evidence before I get uh, stoned, as it were. <laughs> yeah. Uh, in either way. So, uh, yeah. Um, yeah, that was a bit. That was a bit. Um, that was a bit odd, wasn't it? The final. What, a yeah. bit, well, it was kind of expected. Started really. so well. The yeah. first fifteen minutes, I thought we're actually going to win something, yeah. and then yeah. we quite dramatically didn't. <laughs> <laughs> well, we could still have won it in extra time. We were playing quite well in extra time, but once mm. it went to penalties, I just knew. Yes, we all did. Mm. But I was well. okay with it. I was all right. Mm. We got to the final, so right. exactly. And uh, have you been watching the Olympics? I have been watching the Olympics. In fact, it's quite hard to get work done when the Olympics is on. Yes. Uh, <laughs> this morning, I was watching the horse dancing. I think they call it, <laughs> think they call it dressage. <laughs> yeah. And that's quite exciting. The horse comes out and dances, and uh, and um, the horse doesn't get a medal. But no. the person on the horse gets a medal. Yeah, I'm not quite harsh. sure how that works, really. Why doesn't the horse get a medal? Um, yeah, I'm watching it. It's good, isn't it? It is. I like, I like it. It's been extraordinary. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And um, what, what, um, I was wondering, what, what's, if you, if they called you up, Joe, and said, look, mm. COVID and all this, we've got a few yeah. vacancies, we need you, we need you to fly out straight away. Mm. What sport would you do? If if we were allowed to choose, because every yeah. everyone's allowed to choose an extra one, I maybe Scotch egg eating. I don't know. <laughs> Wine drinking. <laughs> uh, well, I I quite I'm I'm fascinated by taekwondo, not least because I'd like to kick people in the head. So yeah, yeah maybe a, good, you've got got to maybe, be quite flexible. Haven't maybe you? a few little you know anger issues I still need to deal with. <laughs> but it is interesting. <laughs> Well, I, it's funny you should say that because I quite fancy uh, clay pigeon shooting. Oh, right. You know, only mm. if they could just sort of bundle up bindweed and find <laughs> fire it into the air and then I could shoot the crap out of that. <laughs> I feel quite happy. Actually, I could just go out in my back garden with a shotgun, really, couldn't I? Not anyway. that I have one, but anyway. Okay, well, let's, uh, we should yeah, really get on, shouldn't we? We should. Um, forgive us, listeners. We, we've not spoken for a while, so it's just yeah. exciting to be... <laughs> in each other's company so but it's lovely to be in your company and thank you and thank you for sending in um good and thought-provoking emails um which lord knows we need so Mm. helen says hi joe and nick thought i'd respond to the discussion about salvation and evangelism from the interview with dave tomlinson in the last podcast in discussion with some friends we were chatting about evangelism and mainly agreed that the usual narrative of you are a sinner in need of forgiveness, Jesus died so you can be forgiven and go to heaven, was not something we were very happy with and felt was no longer necessary, particularly as we are fairly united in the belief that there is no fiery furnace of hell and therefore no need of being saved from it. So Christianity is not about getting a ticket to eternal bliss in heaven. It was interesting to hear Dave talk about the similarities between us and chimpanzees with respect to morality, empathy and a sense of justice as something that rises up within us rather than given to us by God up there and required of us. 
Also, I think through the pandemic, it was obvious that loving your neighbour was not something that only Christians could do. There were so many examples of all sorts of people reaching out to help one another regardless of faith. So Christianity is not necessarily about morality and Christians do not have the exclusive rights to doing good. My friends and I got round to discussing sharing your faith. Some were keen that this is still something good to do, yet we couldn't quite work out what it is we should be sharing if it no longer meant receiving eternal life or becoming a good person. And where does Jesus fit into all this? You and Nick talked about knowing God is close, Christ in us and having faith in the presence of the Holy Spirit. I know many people who would not say they are Christians, but seemingly live more Christ-like, Holy Spirit-filled lives than many Christians e.g. they work for justice, love their neighbours, care for the planet, etc, etc. So do they need to know about Jesus to live their lives better? What could I say to them about faith that would enhance their lives? Is it okay that they live Christ-like lives without giving it that name? Is it like the unknown God that Paul talks about in Athens? They already know this God but just don't know his or her name. I think my questions are basically the same as John's, which fe featured on the last podcast. So it's good to know that I'm not alone in my confusion. I've yet to find any alternative answers to satisfy, but certainly don't fancy going back to the old way of thinking. Thanks for the podcast, as always. And that's from Helen. Oh, thank you, Helen. I think there's a lot in there. I I, th I think I want to pick up on one thing, which is the sort of the, the opening bit, um, the idea, mm. you know, you're a sinner and in need of forgiveness or going to heaven. And I think she said felt it's no longer necessary. I don't think, I, I think it is necessary, but I think it's not the whole picture. That's what I would argue. Mm. You know, it's not that I'm not a sinner and don't need mm. forgiveness. I do need that all the time. Mm. Um, it's just that I don't think that's, that's what the, the entirety of the gospel no. is about, mm. I would say. So I, I don't think we want, I personally wouldn't want to reject some of the, some of the classic ideas, even the idea of eternal life in a blissful state, wherever that yeah. is, you mm. know, I certainly wouldn't want to reject that. I would just say that, that there's more to it. That's just part of the overall picture, I suppose. That's that's what I'd start by saying, I think. Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, it, it was a superbly articulate email. And I'm glad these conversations are taking place, actually, because I think they yeah. need to take place. I think we do need to. This is exactly the conversations we should be having to re reconfigure faith and how we understand it in terms of where jesus fits in i still see jesus as ultimately important because he's he's that perfect human being in harmony with his divinity um and so you know we've had this conversation around christology before in what way was jesus different to us well, was he actually secretly superman in which case he, didn't, he can't really relate to us yeah. and, and you know he's beyond imitating in any way or is what makes jesus so unique is that he lived perfectly his humanity mm. which expressed his divinity and we are invited into that as well and so so for me jesus is still crucially important because he is our guide you know he, he he's the real deal he's 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 the the figure with whom we follow and that's why I, I tend to talk more about being a follower of Jesus than a Christian now, because I don't, you know, what does Christian mean? Does Christian mean I vote for Trump, you know, for example, or, or you know, a certain, you know, it, it, it's become so skewed what that label can mean. We are a Christian country, supposedly. Are we really? Is that, you know, in what well, sense? Yeah. So that's what I mean. Christian has, that has been tainted. Whereas it seems to me that 
what the church sometimes lost sight of, and we've talked about this ad nauseum, I think, is in its in its conversionism all the time and its emphasis on that, it, it just lost sight of what it meant to follow Jesus. And Jesus was all about his way, his teaching, his yoke, his his the whole deal of what he was spreading and teaching about, which was, you know, life in the kingdom. So Jesus is still critically important and and I yeah, I think it's interesting whether we want I don't think I want to ditch those old things that you talk about, but I certainly want to reinterpret them in the light of where we yeah. are now in history. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's what I'd say. I think it, I think we still need saving. Mm. It's just maybe yeah. it's a question of what we need saving from. Maybe it's, yes. we need saving from a whole load of other things as well as mm. you know what, what happens after we die. And um, I, I suppose the second part of what uh, Helen was talking about is you know how do you talk about the gospel with people who seem to be fairly mm. fairly happy pagans like happy good pagans yeah tough group to evangelize <laughs> yeah well i think we d- we did talk about that in episodes uh, I can't, mm. i've looked them up episode 123 to 125 yeah for your reference um which is we did a whole series on on what is the good news yeah these days so that might might um be mm. worth listening to i i, I always think it's a bit like uh, jesus encounters the um the Pharisee, the scribe, who asks him, mm. "What you know? What do I need to do to inherit to gain eternal mm. life?" Mm. And Jesus asks him the questions, and then he he says, after it in the Mark version, he says, "You know, um, you are not far from the kingdom of God." Mm. And I think there's a load of people we meet who are not far from the kingdom of God, and that's that's mm. because they're looking at how do, yeah. what what does fullness of life look like? How does it look mm. like? And some, and I think that's that's the fundamental good news: is the invitation into the kingdom of god which is reflects what you were saying about how how what you know what whether christian fully Mm. as a label fully works that way and does and does salvation is there a kind of one size fits all salvation or does it look as different as people are different you know so for zacchaeus it was all for zacchaeus it was about repaying stuff it was about giving money away and you know for the rich young ruler it was actually about giving Money weight, not because Jesus was cruel and wanted to hurt him and, you know, but actually because it ensnared him. So, you know, what ensnares me? What does sin look like for me? And what would it look like to be liberated from that? Which might be slightly different um, to what it would look like for you. And, you know, your many issues that need dealing with <laughs> profoundly. Yeah, so I think there's that mix, isn't there? The, the, the thing is, we tended to sort of just view about justification or what we've talked about mm. this loads you know yeah, we tend to just go down that route mm. forgetting that actually there is a behavioral mm. aspect to it yeah you know it has to absolutely be. yeah i was thinking about this a lot actually about the euros because you know it, the it, there's a big debate or it sort of triggered a debate about well what does it mean to be english what does being english look like mm. does being english look like the english football team who are were considered and seemed quite you know compassionate and and multi-ethnic and and you know yeah and anti-racist yeah yeah or does it look like the bloke in trafalgar square with the flare sticking out of his ass <laughs> yeah 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 exactly and, yeah and what do we want to be like as as a nation which ones do we you know yeah. do we want to it's almost like we've got this choice between us. And I I began to think, well, 
same thing is true. You know, isn't as Christians, you know, as, as representatives of the kingdom of God, we've always got those choices as well. What do we yeah. want to be? Do we want to be the compassionate, the the welcoming, mm. the considered, the wise, or as as we often are, are we in fact representing the kingdom of God? You know, by behaving mm. yobbishly, by yeah. booing booing our opponents' yeah. national anthems. Yeah. And, and sticking flares where flares should not go. Yeah. It's an ugly Christianity when you are some sort of moral police that you don't even keep yourself, of course. Um, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Well, good thoughts. Anyway, Thank you, Helen. So, yeah, that, that, was... that conversation will rage on and indeed is always fodder for this podcast. So thank you so much. Um, Ken wrote in and says, Dear chaps, I was struck by an email you read out during the Mac- McLaren part two episode and wanted to respond perhaps with an offer. Your listener, Peter, reflected on how hard it can be to move beyond perplexity into harmony while associating with conventional church, which tends to exert a gravitational pull towards the earlier stages. And he had concluded he needed a community of practice. So he says, I have a a strong and abiding interest in faith development, not least because I've witnessed many people having left their Christian faith behind because I believe they were unsupported in the maturing of their faith. And he talks about his MA dissertation. And he says, I have since been fully occupied as a Baptist minister, but I'm about to step outside of traditional forms of church and am interested in pursuing this issue. I would therefore like to offer any listeners in the Manchester area, and he puts in brackets, I live in Stockport, who would value it, the opportunity to pilot a midlife explorers group. The idea would be for those who recognise they are in a process of exchanging karate belts, which is a reference to um, that podcast, uh, to be able to share with, learn from and support one another along the way. He says, I would welcome your thoughts. God bless you for the work you're doing on this podcast. I love it. So he's he's specifically wanting to start a group in the Manchester area for people who are pursuing this kind of faith mm. development, who are, who understand this kind of you know model of, of faith stages. Um, so uh, I think we should put put reference to that in the show notes. And he's happy for me to um, put his email uh, okay. in there. So if you are in the Manchester area. And you would like to belong to a community of practice um, to get in touch with Ken. Well, it goes without saying we take no responsibility for the emergence of any cult as a result of this. No. Uh, and if it's you know, a cult you're after, come to Worthing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we, well, well, there we go. Um, OK, thank you, Ken. Uh, so moving right along to Andrew. Andrew says this. And this is a great email. He says, hi, Joe. Uh, hope you and Nick are doing OK. Really like the Dave Thomason thing about being a Christian humanist. You've uh, been recommended on our... Listen to this, Nick. You've been recommended on our corporate conservative Baptist church newsletter. No idea how. <laughs> the main minister is on sabbatical or someone maybe just took the chance, he says. <laughs> so there you go. He said, I had a beer fueled argument with a friend of mine. He says, OK, we're still friends. And a couple of things came out that you may or may not be interested in. One, he says, authenticity. He says, I think that mid-faithers are bearing the psychological strain of having to hide their thoughts from their friends. Mm. So he goes on, when we started going to this church, there are a few people there who are brave enough to show their naughty side. 
He says they aren't there anymore, so it seems to have turned into a good behaviour club for the anxious middle classes. He says, I'm not having a pop at Christians because I've had the same experience at the Buddhist centre and quite a liberating experience at a different church. The idea of authenticity resonates with the idea of a forgiving God, but why are churches so often the last place that you can be authentic? And then he's got two more points. At two, he says, how do you channel the frustration of falling out of love with evangelical culture into something positive rather than just complaining? He says, your podcast is one answer, but it takes a lot of work. I ran pub church to try and get some discussion about the big questions, but I had to stop when I left. Do you or Nick know of any other ideas at work? And then three, he says, is it possible to ditch jargon and platitudes? He says, I don't know anyone who likes jargon, but it's everywhere. I think it's a scaffold that holds any given culture together. Might burning away all the jargon from expressions of faith be a way to find what's at its heart? Mm. Good stuff. Well, well, thank you for ministering to us in that way of blessing and fellowship. <laughs> um, so why don't we take the questions in turn? Well, I mean, it's just, I'm, I'm in the question of authenticity. What, what do you think about that? Because he finishes, you know, why, why a church is so often the last yeah. place you can be authentic. Why don't you? Well, I mean, I think, he, as he said, it's, it's not just the church that it's hard to be authentic. It's, I think lots of places that are built on membership or on shared uh, views, you know, require those who don't share those views necessarily or questioning those views to, to sort of tone it down. I think I think there's lots of there's lots of pressure on people everywhere really to sort of hide what they think and therefore the church shouldn't shouldn't be about that. I remember reading God of Surprises um, many years ago, the um, mm. Gerard Hughes book, and he talks about encountering uh, a a uh, I think a guy a Geordie who was having these amazing experiences of faith and praying while he was on. Uh, uh, while he was away from his work and he was he was mm. uh, sort of walking the coast or something and uh Gerald Hughes said to him well would you tell others about this and he said no I couldn't possibly tell them about them they think they'd think I was soft you know and and so <laughs> authenticity is not just you know sometimes it works the other way so you can't you can't reveal it to other people who might be I, I don't know think have a different view of Christianity so every everybody needs to live an authentic life and that's a perpetual challenge I do think churches need to do better um and and i think people are scared of speaking out sometimes it's, or, it's, or it's not comfortable for it's, it's part of it just you know community bias like we all have this inner need to belong you know to our tribe and once you hit mid-faith and you start questioning the tribe mm. most tribes are not good at that it's like how dare you you know, you're a troublemaker, you're being mm. difficult, you're questioning mm. authority, you're doing it. And therefore, the assumption is you're dangerous for community because you are questioning the long held wisdom that we've always taught and always said and always mm. believed. And and so, it, you know, it depends whether it's more important for you to be authentic to you, who you really are, or is it more important for you to belong? And sometimes that's the choice, isn't it? You know, I, I miss belonging to, you know, the church where I was a pastor. You know, I loved those people. I, I dedicated their children. I did funerals for them. I married them. I, I was very close to them. But ultimately, you know, the leaders there could not handle me questioning some long-held beliefs about a certain mm. topic. And it was just considered incompatible that you could have a position of responsibility in that church and believe what I believed about, you mm. know, 
human sexuality. Yeah. It's. I think it's a very difficult thing because obviously there is. There's got to be quite a lot of common ground in order to hold people together. I mean, if if there's none, that's not actually a group. That's not a community. And equally, if you are if you are someone who doesn't believe in any of it, and you're going to the meetings in order to disrupt, that's not helpful at all. No. Um. So, I think there has to be places. It's about the right place. It's about where mm. where is the place there where you can you can express these views. I think authenticity is about how you live it out as much as anything else. But it. Part of authenticity is, well, maybe it's partly about making sure that our authenticity is always authentic. In the, oh. in the sense, it's not just us being, a, you know, yeah, just being, yeah. oh, look no, at agree. me, I, I'm a rebel for yeah. the sake of it. You know, and, I, and maybe that's the same thing for the second mm. question, which is, you know, how do you, how do you stay within an evangelical culture or within a certain no. church culture and remain positive rather than just complaining? Yeah. And I think... I think that it's not parading your beliefs all the time. There's a no. time and a place. Yeah. Um, and I think that's okay as long as there is a time and a place. That's the problem. I yeah. Think for yeah. a lot of people, there never is that in churches. The churches don't give them that opportunity. Um, and I think does that makes sense. Yeah, it does make sense. And I'm going to quote fluffy Richard Raw again because oh, it's great. the only, I think I've said before, it's the only quote I've got out of it. He says, the best criticism of the bad is the practice of the better. So mm. no nonsense. Don't don't find yourself in an endless loop of criticism of other people and what they what they do badly and everything. Do something better. You know, mm. that's that's it. And there's no need to sort of criticize after a while, you know, because A, you'll learn how difficult it is to do anything. Uh, but B, it keeps you, I think, sort of humble. Yeah, and I think you have to play nicely with others. You know, it's yeah. one of the basic lessons of life. Yeah. Know, don't, don't. If they're having a great time, you know, don't, don't <laughs> spoil it. Why have you got yeah. to spoil it? So, no, I, exactly. I, I, you've taught me a lot about this in terms of that second naivety mm. and about yeah. keeping in touch with that kind of stuff. But I also think also there's a there's a wonderful Snoopy cartoon where Snoopy's going to write his big book of theology. And <laughs> and he's decided on the title, and it said, and the title is, "Have you ever considered you might be wrong?" And uh, <laughs> and I think we have to ask that question of ourselves, you know, all yeah, the time. Absolutely. Really. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, Great. Yeah. What well, about jargon, though? Jargon. Well, I, I think it's a constant battle, isn't it? You know, you develop your own jargon. That's the trouble. So yeah, uh, I don't know, but I I think we we could declutter a lot of the jargon that is just not relevant anymore i think we could i i agree i think we could i don't think we can do it entirely without jargon jargon is in fact useful at times it's that's the whole point of it shorthand it's, yeah it's shorthand yeah but i think um i think i think we could certainly find different ways and it's always good to find different ways to talk about these things i think yeah exactly yeah good okay well look i'd, I'd like us to do one more so uh, let's okay. let's crack on uh, uh mel uh, sent in uh, some uh, great thoughts thanks mel and a lovely conversation about church mission statements don't get us going on that we have talked about them before they're crazy anyway <laughs> <laughs> oh well listen we should talk uh, to, if you want church mission statements we should yeah. uh, reference the first interview we ever did with dave Steele. Oh, which yeah. is a church that doesn't have a vision statement as far as... Yeah, that's true. Yeah, no, that's absolutely right. Just as I'll put a link in the... In the yeah, yeah, that's great. Yes, thank you. Uh, but she says this, your podcast has get me, 
kept me going through the pandemic, particularly when I was rapidly going off the idea of online church. Our church has started meeting in person again, but I've done a lot of reflecting over the past year and I'm finding that it's difficult to express doubts or ask questions in church. I found the recent discussions on your podcast about finding rest for our souls interesting and helpful and the section on being yoked with unbelievers, which I've had quoted at me in the past in episode 163, was particularly helpful. The angry Lord's Prayer, she says in a recent episode, had me laughing out loud. And when Angie and I saw the Lord's Prayer printed on the notice board of one of our local churches last week, we both started up with, don't say! <laughs> Well, I'm glad that's left its mark on you, Mel. It, Thank it, you. It was very good. Well, listen, before we pick up on the Lord's Prayer, I mean, I think that was an interesting point just there yeah. to start with about... It picks up what we were just talking about, about having yeah. safe spaces, times and places to discuss doubts. And if people have been doing a lot of thinking away from church... Mm. Yes. And, and I know we have church leaders listening mm. to this. Maybe it's really important to make those spaces as people come back. To, mm. to sort of decompress and to say, well, what? How do you feel about things now? And do and while I'm on that, I just want to give a big shout out to all ministers and vicars and pastors at the moment. Yes, because indeed. I know so many who are really struggling. They've pulled all the stops out to keep the church going, yeah. uh, online yeah. or whatever during the pandemic, and now they've got to come back. And not only have they got to come back to ordinary services again, and they don't know how many people are going to be there, mm. but they've also got to keep it going online as well. So you know, yeah. Much respect. So, yeah, please look after yourselves and, uh, you know, our thoughts are, are with you all. Yes, they are. Sisters and brothers, you are doing, I, we know you're doing the best job you can and we uh, utter respect to you having been a church minister. Uh, I would not like to be one again. So you have my utmost respect. <laughs> and I wouldn't be allowed, to be fair. So. Oh, you're not that bad. We could find, we could, sure, we could find some church to take you. So, listen, we, <laughs> we need to round off this episode. Next, yes. next week, we'll be back um, with the fabulous John Philip Newell. Yes, and uh, thank you, everyone, who's written in. There was such great feedback. We, we're yes. going to try and store some more up and uh, mm. pick it up in a future episode. So, um, yeah. yeah, thank you for that. Thank you for everyone who's been supporting us and carries on supporting mm. the podcast. That's, that's tremendous. It really, is. really appreciate that. Um, so, yeah, how do, how do you want to finish this, Joe? Well, I want to pick up on uh, Mel's point about the Angry Lord's Prayer. And as you know, ah. we did, I mean, I did have a good old rant the other week, and rightly so, I feel. Um, however, I have come across a version of the Lord's Prayer that I very much like uh, oh, okay. from the Anglican Church of New Zealand. And it's so good, I would think I'd like to finish this episode with it, with your permission. Yeah, OK, why don't we do that? OK, so... Ladies and gentlemen, the Lord's Prayer. Eternal Spirit, Earth Maker, Pain Bearer, Life Giver, Source of all that is and that shall be, Father and Mother of us all, Loving God, in whom is heaven, The hallowing of your name echo through the universe, The way of your justice be followed by the peoples of the world, Your heavenly will be done by all created beings, your commonwealth of peace and freedom sustain our hope and come on earth. With the bread we need for today, feed us. In the hurts we absorb from one another, forgive us. In times of temptation and test, strengthen us. From trials too great to endure, spare us. 
from the grip of all that is evil, free us. For you reign in the glory of the power that is love, now and forever. Amen. <laughs>